Welcome to the King's Church Amersham podcast. For more information and resources, go to www.kca.church. Fantastic. Well, this morning, we um, it's great. There's so many of you here today. I didn't know how many we were going to get this morning. It's still the school holidays. And some of you, some of the kids still got another couple of days. But this is amazing. It's fantastic. This morning, we launch into a, a new term. And a new series of teachings on a Sunday. And for eight weeks, we're going to be looking through the book of Ephesians, looking at God's plan for his people in this world. And today we're going to be looking at Ephesians 1. And if you have your Bibles, then please turn to that now. We're going to look at some of the texts there in just a few moments. As I started sort of exploring this this book in a bit more detail than perhaps I had previously, looking at commentators and many of the different commentaries that are out there, they all described this book in quite colourful language. They said some amazing things about it. Some people said it was like a, a golden chain of truth. And someone else described it like a, a kaleidoscope of dazzling lights. And someone else the consummate compendium of Christian teaching. Or someone else said, you know, it's like the crown of Paul's thinking, this book. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have a lot to do with crowns day to day in my everyday life. But, you know, crowns are a great example because in so many ways, these sparkling gems that are litter a crown are are, are just packed into this book and particularly into this first chapter. What are the wonderful truths that we are able, that are ours in Christ Jesus? All the essential, if you like, spiritual blessings that we have are crammed into this passage. In fact, into verse 3 to 14 in the Greek. Well, actually, in the Greek, it's just like this one long sentence. It's like Paul gets so excited, so thrilled. He doesn't pause to to draw breath, to communicate all the things that, that we have in Christ. So as we look through these things this morning, I want to highlight some of these things and maybe just to move on from that slide, I think. Yeah, some of the things that we are united in Christ, that we are loved and chosen, that we're adopted, that we're given grace, that we're purchased, that we're set free, that we're forgiven, that we're showered with kindness, that we're included in God's plan, that we're heirs to his kingdom, that we've been given the Holy Spirit. These are amazing things. These are wonderful blessings and promises that are ours in Christ Jesus. And so as we read this passage, I want you to be able to, if you like, some soak in some of these truths. And I want you to look for some of these truths, some of these essential things this morning. Maybe spotlight, may highlight them this morning. So I'm going to read these first 14 verses and then we're going to dig a little bit deeper. But it goes like this. Ephesians 1. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise for spiritual blessings in Christ. Praise be to God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in all the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure 
and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you, who were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. Well, we're going to get, dig a little bit deeper into that text I just want to give you a briefly a little background to the book. Um, we've gone over this before recently, last term, in fact, the Ephesus, that Paul's second and third missions that he went on, he, both times that he visited the city, the place of Ephesus. The Ephesus was an extraordinary place at the time because effectively it was the capital of Asia, Asia in the Roman terms. And it was an extraordinary place, a place of thriving wealth and of spirituality and the Ephesians as a church had been well taught Paul has been there and we read in Acts 20 he says I did not shrink from declaring you anything that was profitable teaching you in public from house to house testifying to Jews and to Greeks of repentance God and of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and these folk knew their stuff they knew the truth of Jesus so Paul's letter doesn't really explain the truths. He just states them and assumes that the readers knew these truths. And then he goes to unpack what that actually means in everyday life. This letter isn't written to a particular church problem, if you like, or a question. It's a general encouraging word. And at the beginning of the year, I hope some of you are up for some encouragement. And for some blessing as we begin this year together. But the context of Ephesus is important because the context is this is a spiritual city. And it's a pagan culture. And these new converts are fighting against the principalities and powers of this very spiritual place. The temple of Artemis was there and people came from far and wide to worship these pagan gods. And people made livings off of this goddess. And people, well there was this huge clash of spiritual powers if you like. And so in the book of Ephesus, we're going to find continually that Paul reminds us that actually we have the power of the Holy Spirit through the risen Lord Jesus Christ, that God is with us. That through the Holy Spirit, we can have the victory. And he's going to remind us that we need to be unified together as a family. And the Ephesians, you know, they faced a lot of challenges 
and they were persecuted and they lived in this pagan context and climate. And so Paul encouraged them that actually their lives would be a witness to the rest of the world. Effectively, he kept on reminding what it means to look or be like a Christian in the world they're living in today. And Paul calls continually in this book to live a life worthy of those wonderful spiritual truths. And we read about it. And, you know, I was reading Ephesians 1. I was thinking about, I've been reading a little bit about the Trump impeachment trial. It's not a particularly spiritual thing at all, but I was just fascinated by this whole idea of impeachment. And, you know, it all goes back to the Constitution of America. And you maybe have read the Constitution, maybe some of you have experienced living in that place. But it begins with, we the people. We the, we the people. And it says, we want to form a union. We want to establish justice and secure blessings of liberty and this constitution, if you like, is supposedly the, the place where all the Americans base all their laws and their values around this constitution, this idea. And what Paul begins this letter with effectively is like a constitution. If you could say, these are the truths that, that we will base our lives around. These are the understandings that we need to base our lives around. That we are children of God, that we are forgiven, that we are accepted, that we are loved. These are the things that are going to make a difference when we live our lives. These are the things that we live our lives by, if you like. The rules, the understanding. And today we haven't got time to unpack all these things and we'll pack more of them as we go over these next few weeks. But I want to concentrate on one central truth this morning. And it's this. God's plan was to have a people. And he did this by choosing to adopt us into his family. And that's where his plan starts. Ephesians 1.5 says he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Lord Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. Now I know for some the word adoption is maybe a painful thing and not as simple as easy as perhaps others understand it. But And some have experienced a good deal of challenge with it. And some folk have got very caught up in this predestination idea or this predestination idea and what it means. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time this morning. What I really want to get across this morning is this. We are chosen. You are chosen. God chose you. Which when you think about it, is pretty amazing. God chose you individually. Each one of you. I don't know if you can imagine, I don't know, if you've got a photo album and you look through the pages of people. Can you imagine God's photo album of people and each one is a chosen person. Each one is a name and a face that he has purposed and chosen. God chose you. God chose you. You know, in Roman times, adoption, it was, it was pretty, um, pretty rampant, actually. People adopted a lot on the basis that they needed people to extend the family. 
a slave could be adopted into a family. And they became heirs. They became part of the family. For us now, adoption is, is maybe not quite so common as it was possibly then. People would inherit the family name and the family business. The family business would continue. God's family business continues in you. John, when he talks about this at the beginning of his gospel, he says, Yet to all who did receive him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children. Children who are not of natural descent or human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. You know, it's a miracle that God would choose to draw us into his family. Look around you. Look around you. It is a miracle, isn't it? We're quite a motley bunch in this. There are people from all different walks of life in this place, different backgrounds, different stories. But the truth is God loves to draw people. He loves to draw people into his family. If you look at the Old Testament, you know, you've got Ruth, who was a foreigner, a widow, a poor refugee, drawn into the family of God. You've got Rahab, a prostitute, not even a believer, but she saw something in God's people and she connected with God and was drawn into the family of God. About the Apostle Peter, this loud, brash, uneducated fisherman, drawn into God. Or Paul himself, a ruthless Pharisee, so, so ruthless he was willing to murder and to persecute. And yet God somehow brings him kicking and screaming into his family. You know, that is true of us. Some of us might feel like we're the most unlikely members of God's family. But we are. You are. And you have been chosen. Now, of course, it goes without saying, or there is a saying, isn't there? You can choose your friends, not your family. Christmas often highlights that. But God has chosen you here today, you group of people, for a purpose. Each one of you has a purpose. Because he has a plan for your life. And part of his plan is that you are amongst these people. And these people have a purpose and a plan. And it may be that part of that plan is to benefit your life. To challenge your life. To encourage your life. To encourage you. How is God shaping your life through his people? Some people will teach you grace. Some will teach you how to forgive. Some will teach you how to love God. It's great to be gathered all together in this big setting and we can get to know our brothers and sisters, this family, this chosen people, if you like, in some ways in this setting. 
But of course, there's nothing like sharing a meal together or a conversation or a coffee or hanging out together or a bit of life together. You know, that is part of God's plan for you, that you are part of his people and that you interact with his people. I'll say some more about that in a moment. But some of us, we feel a bit distant from God at times. And we aren't really sure if he loves us. Or we, sometimes we can feel distant or when we have messed up or maybe we've done things that he doesn't approve of. Things that wouldn't please him. We can say to ourselves, am I really a child of God? When I keep doing that, when I keep messing up. And this is why we have to come back to the truth and that God chose us even when he knew we were imperfect. When we knew, when he knew we had and will mess up. That we aren't going to be a perfect child. But he knows us and he has chosen us and he has chosen you. You can say, well, I don't want to be chosen. Sorry about that. No one's out of this deal. He, has, he wants each one of you to have a relationship with him. That's why you're here. When we come back to the truth, even when we know we're imperfect. It's not that God's soft on sin, that he doesn't dislike sin. If we're sinners... He struggles with that. He's perfect. And we need to come back to him and say sorry and we need to ask him to forgive us again and cleanse us and that we might be brought closer again. But actually, yeah, actually God takes sin really seriously. He sent his son in order that he might restore the relationship with him for each one of us. That sin caused this break. That's why he let Jesus take on the cross. So that we could be part of his family. I know that sometimes we maybe don't look too much like God's children. But there are some that look a little bit more like a God's child than others. And little by little, this should give us confidence that actually he is working in lives amongst us. That we can... Be a little bit more like Jesus. But step by step, we can. We can. You see, he is making us into an image of his elder, our elder brother. I wonder if you ever thought of Jesus like that, your elder brother. And he's given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as a guarantee that one day we will be like him. But in the meantime, the Holy Spirit is going to work in us and change us if we let him and transform us into his fullness and likeness. You know, recently we were driving uh, with Evie. Uh, I think we were going to Watford and we went down the little lanes in Little Chalfont near where my wife used to live. And Jane was explaining to her about her paper round. And... Um, if you've ever driven down those lanes, the houses are quite far apart. And so to take the, the Sunday supplements, the Sunday papers between those houses was quite an exercise. 
And so Jane said that actually what she used to do was she used to bang around the house early on a Sunday morning in the hope that she'd wake up her dad because then her dad would drive her around her paper round. I think he's aware of this. And so she'd stomp around nice, bang a few doors and rattle a few plates and then father would arrive to drive her around. And these were, you know, that's the kind of father that God is. He's not going to do it for us, but he's going to help us along the way. He's going to be with us. Help us in the journey of life. He'll be with us every step of the way if we let him. He'll be the driver. And even when tough times hit. You know, that's an important one because quite sometimes we have questions about whether we are the child of God. But if we have such a loving heavenly father, then how on earth... Has this happened? You know? Sometimes things go wrong in our lives. Why is it that sometimes my prayers don't seem to be answered? Why is it that someone I love is sick or experiencing pain, sorrow or suffering? I haven't got time to go through all of that this morning in the scriptures that might encourage us or help us. But in times of difficulty, the fact that we have God's children is something we can really hold on to. That it's bigger than just his plan for us. That God has a plan for the whole world. The fact is the world is broken. And marred by sin in our very creation. Paul writes in Romans 8, doesn't he? It's groaning. Because of the suffering and brokenness that we experience in our everyday lives. And even though we are children of God, God, Paul says, we're going to still experience. We're going to still experience this groaning and these difficulties on earth. But, he says, we've been given the right as the children of God to cry Abba. And Paul says, I I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us for creation waits in eager anticipation. Creation is subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of one who subjected it. But creation will be liberated. We are the children of God. We are loved. We are chosen. We are part of a bigger plan that one day at the right time, everything in creation will be brought under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and in earth will be brought under the authority of Christ. And when that day comes, there will not be any more suffering, tears, brokenness, pain, disease and on that day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and there will be a new heaven and a new earth and we his children will be revealed we will be like Jesus because of the work that's going in on us in us right now The refining, the challenge, the sorting, the loving and the encouraging.
And it's all part of an amazing plan. And all part of an amazing plan. It's not just a future hope or a, a future expectation, Paul says. It's not just a relationship where, with God our Father, but we are in relationship with our brothers and sisters, Paul says as well. And this is so key. The New Testament tells us that we should, that we should help one another. That we should pray for one another. That we should look out for one another. That we should love one another. That we should support one another. And as a family, that way, we can get through. That's how we get through. And that's part of God's plan for his people. That in the tough times, God's family is there and it helps us get through. And as we work out this book of Ephesians over the next few weeks, you're going to see this plan spared out in very practical ways. There are six chapters, but they're absolutely loaded with examples of how we should live as children of God. Paul is going to say, if we're children of God, if we're part of the same family, then we should all share the value of grace. Grace should abound. It must be central to who we are. Grace upon grace. If you don't know what grace means... It means acceptance and forgiveness when there is no reason to. Beyond what is humanly possible. We need to learn more of that as a church, as a people. So countercultural. And Ephesians 2 is going to remind us there should be no division amongst us, no racial tensions or economic divisions. We should be one family. In Ephesians 4, he's going to remind us that each one has been given gifts. As we come together, we should be reminded to express those gifts and share those so that we might all be enriched. And if we're a family and we're going to make a difference out there, if we're going to make a difference out there in the world, then there shouldn't be any hint of immorality amongst us in how we live. That we should be great employees and employers It's going to make a difference how we bring up our children and how we parent others and respect others within our family. And in Ephesians 6, it's going to remind us that when we battle against our enemies, that we can stand firm and have victory in Jesus Christ because we belong to a great family, the family of God. And he has got great things for us, purposes and plans. And my hope is over these next few weeks that as you... As we read through this, and we're going to look at this in small groups together, this book, we're going to look through it in more detail. That we are soak up some of these essential truths. I asked this week, um, maybe as you start unpackaging some of this stuff, that you, you'd read through this, this chapter one again. Every day this week, in fact, I'd encourage you, read this through, ponder on these truths. Let God speak to your soul how you are loved, chosen, adopted, showered with grace. You know, these things, these things aren't like a distant crown. 
was trying to think of a good analogy and it came up with this this week. You know, these things should be like toothpaste. You know, you take out every morning and you rub it into yourself and it does you good. And it start, you begin the day with that. And then in the evening, before you go to bed, before you rest your head, you take it out and you rub it into yourself and it does you good. And it brings you peace so that you might sleep. There's one for you. Ephesians is like toothpaste. Paul said it. The other thing I'd ask you to do this week is to consider your place in God's plan. Because you do have a place in God's plan. Perhaps you're feeling placeless this morning. At the beginning of the new year, perhaps you've got goals, but perhaps you haven't. What's God's place in those goals? What's your place in God's family? I'd encourage you to ponder that this week. And as we've looked at this list of truths this morning earlier, and you might say, well, I don't know if I'm included in these things. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I get into being a part of God's family. How do I make that step into being part of God's family? How do I be forgiven? How do I get the Holy Spirit? Well, can I really encourage you this morning? These are great questions. These are questions we should ponder and wrestle with. And I'd ask you to seek somebody out today, somebody with a a pink lanyard on, or one of the leadership team. Ask them those questions, the questions of life. How do I get drawn into the family? Or I feel like I'm being drawn into the family of God. What's going on? We'd love to talk with you and wrestle with you over those questions. And perhaps this morning you just want to say, oh, you know, I just want to believe this is true. I want to walk in that. Fantastic. You won't regret it. You won't regret ever being part of God's family. I guarantee you. The hundred people in this room will guarantee you that. If you're already part of God's family and you know you've been saved and you know that you're a child of God, then I'd ask you to connect into this family. It's really great to have lots of you here on a Sunday. You know, the place that really shapes, refines, nurtures us is when we're connected on a more intimate level. In small groups, that's where things, the business gets done, if I'm honest with you. And of course, on a Sunday, it's great, it's fantastic. We come to celebrate together and you can maybe be have a bit of a dose for a week. But actually, it's in relationship whereby, God, things shift and change. And I just encourage you, and it's a shameless plug again, get a yellow book. Look at the small groups at the back. Sign up. Get connected. Julian will help you with that. That's why I've employed him.
The last part of chapter one is a prayer. And uh, I guess it's Paul's heart. It's ex- the way Paul expresses his heart for the people. And uh, he just is enthused and he wants people to really get this. And he wants them to just know how important and extraordinary it is that God would choose us. So this morning, as we, as we draw the service to a close, I'm going to read this passage and then I'm actually going to pray over us. Phil's going to sort of come up and tinkle, sort of. This is the heart of Paul. I think this is the heart of God. As a leadership team, this is our heart for you. And we just want to pray this at the beginning of this year. And perhaps if you're feeling on the outside of the family, perhaps there's a conscious decision to make today to enter in. You'll find lots of people who have welcomed you with open arms. I guarantee you that. Is if I could have a pair. Great, thanks. So as we just bow our heads. Paul's prayer is this. For the reason ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and for your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. And every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but all in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Father, I pray that you would reveal to us again as Paul prayed more and more over the coming weeks the extraordinary truth about your love and your promises for us 
by your spirit, Lord, would you give us greater insight, revelation as to how much you love us, how much you have for us, how special we are to you. Father, we might grasp some of that resurrection power, that we might have strength for the day, hope for tomorrow. Father, and all this is available to us through Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ who has made provision for us on the cross. Lord, it's just an extraordinary thing that we're part of this extraordinary story. Father, as we walk and talk and live and have our being this week, Father, with those truths that we ponder on day by day, arrest our hearts afresh, I ask. Arrest our hearts, Lord, with the sure and certain knowledge that we are children of God. Thank you for listening. For further podcasts or information, go to www.kca.church.